Hello there, my friends. I have missed you. Isn't that is such a silly thing to say since I can't see you, but I haven't recorded an episode in a while. Uh, let me see why. Oh, yeah, because I recorded um, a few episodes several weeks ago because I was going to be down in Texas while Jess had her baby. So now I'm back from Texas and getting back on track recording this episode for you today. But I had so much fun. And isn't it just such a special joy holding a newborn baby? Is that not the best? And I had the pleasure of being able to go to the hospital the day that my newest grandson, Asher Lewis, was born. Um, And holding him on that very first day, it was really special. And then having a week with them. Oh, I know it's like, so exhausting because they, you know, get you up at night and they're very needy and all of that. And, and not just in the newborn phase, but babies in general, but holding those newborns, oh, it's a treat. I hope that just makes you smile today, thinking about holding a newborn. And it was so fun also bringing Jane, who is two, um, to meet her little brother. That was really sweet too, to be there for that moment. And it, and it was funny because at first she wasn't that interested in the baby. I mean, she's two, right? And, and she got her present from Asher, which was always, is always a good idea. Uh, but anyway, then she did want to hold him. So she sat down and we put him on her lap and she started giggling. She was like so excited. She started giggling. And the first thing she said was, oh, he's so big. And I was like, not really. Like, why would you think he's so big? (laughs) But then later we realized that a lot of Jane's processing ahead of time, like, you know, Jess was telling her a new baby's coming. You're going to be the big sister and all of this. They would, they would talk about this and play it with their little dollhouse people. And she has those really, uh, like from the nineties, Fisher Price dollhouse people that are plastic and about the mom is like, I don't know, six inches high. You know what I'm talking about? And so she's got the mommy and the daddy. And now here's big sister and here's the baby. And the baby is like, you know, two or three inches big in the dollhouse people. And because they played that all the time, what we think is that Jane thought the baby was going to be that big. (laughs) So imagine thinking you were going to meet a baby that's as big as a dollhouse baby and then holding a real baby. It would be big. So yeah, Jane, I get that. It's kind of funny. But anyway, had a great time in Texas. And now I'm back and back on track recording podcasts and pondering, pausing and pondering with you. So today we're going to finish up my little nuggets from 1 Thessalonians. We're on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I was going through it because this was what we did the retreat on in Kenya. And Matt, Matt Zuber did the teaching for 1 Thessalonians 5. So I was trying to remember what he taught. And honestly, sorry, Matt, I can't really remember it now. Now it's been quite a long time ago. And of course, I've lost my booklet from the retreat which had all my notes in it. So can't find that, but I still have a great nugget for you today. And my story, my story associated with the nugget. Okay. So when I was about 12 years old, I started teaching Sunday school, being the helper for my parents. And they taught um, kindergarten Sunday school for a very long time. I don't even know how long. So 
I joined them because I had I had finished uh, at our church. You you went through to Sunday school through sixth grade, and sixth grade was what they called confirmation class. In case you didn't know this, I grew up in an Episcopal church, and uh, I had finished confirmation class. And so then I was like, well, I want to help. So I started helping them. And that first year that I was helping them in kindergarten Sunday school, I remember a little boy named Greg Evans, and he was just such a little cutie. And later when I was in college, I remember when he came through youth group and then later when he got married, and I always thought of him back as that little kindergartner, because here was the thing about Greg, you know, we would be doing our little uh, craft or whatever, and he would pick up his little scissors and make one little cut. And then every single time he would just drop the scissors in this completely dejected way and be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And cross his arms and refuse even coloring. He would pick up the crayon and color one little thing and then drop it. I don't know if he was a perfectionist or what, but I just remember being like, come on, Greg, you can do it. Just, just try. No, no, I can't do it. And it took us all year but by the end of the year, we had convinced him to color the page and to use the scissors. And I just always, I, I think it took me by surprise that a little five-year-old would be that discouraged and not try. And that was what I thought of today, that uh, eventually I'm going to tie that to the lessons I see in First Thessalonians 5, that, you know, if you're feeling like Greg, you know, I can't do it. It's too hard. That you can, you know, don't give up. So let's see what God's word has to say to encourage us that we can do this, that with God's help, we can do this together. Just in case you're wondering, you are listening to the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie. Thanks for joining me. I truly pray that listening to this podcast will refresh your spirit and turn your heart back to Jesus today. All right, here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So this chapter, the first half is all of that day of the Lord stuff and the rapture and all of that. And I do remember that Matt said, pay attention to the pronouns in sorting out that sections. So that's a helpful tip in figuring out, you know, what part of this are we here for and what part are we not? But of course, that's not what I want to focus on. The second half of the chapter and the end of the whole letter, it's really like a bullet point list of instructions in how we should live because Jesus is returning soon. It's how we should live, this bullet point list of instructions, how we should live to remain sober and awake and alert. Those are the words uh, used in the first half of the letter, that we should remain sober and awake, alert, which all means not distracted. And that's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? In the world we live in today, there are so many distractions. So how do we not get distracted? How do we remain alert and awake, alert to what God's doing in our lives? Well, we follow this bullet point list of instructions. Well, we follow this bullet point list of instructions. And within that list of instructions, there's this little nugget 
I'm not even going to do the whole list of instructions because, you know, I like to just sort of focus on one idea. But you could go there, go read First Thessalonians 5, and you'll see it. But this little nugget is enough to focus on today. Enough to ask God to help us with this. And here it is. Pretty famous, uh, well-known passage. But we're going to think about it today. And it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. That's the portion. This is, that's verses 16 to 19. And that's the portion I want to think about today. Rejoice always. How often? Always. Pray without ceasing. Also always. Give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what's happening. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then it says, do not quench the spirit. Now, I probably noticed this part and zeroed in on this because I am about to go on a retreat this weekend. um, And the topic is contentment in Christ. And I'm teaching on that contentment in Christ. And yeah, so I've been meditating and studying that subject for the last few months. And it's oh, such an awesome topic, so rich, so much to think about in that, right? And I'm really hoping I don't like fire hose them with all the things I've been learning. I'm, I'm trying to dial it back a little and <laughs> kind of like I do on, on here where I have one idea. I'm like, I have 50 ideas. In fact, my first talk that I planned, I planned it all out. And then I practiced it and it was two hours long. And I was like, ooh, this is not going to work. So yeah, had to dial it back. But it's such a great topic, isn't it? So essential to our Christian living. For us shining our light, for staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit and in that close fellowship with Jesus. Gratitude. Gratitude. So essential. And gratitude is essential in contentment in Christ. Finding our inner peace and joy and that just satisfaction in life, even our worth and our identity, all wrapped up in what contentment in Christ means. And it starts with gratitude. And no, I'm not revealing my retreat secrets just yet. Although I will, of course, be sharing uh, some of the of the things I'm teaching on the retreat on the podcast after I do the retreat, because, you know, why not? I have all this, all of these great thoughts about it. But anyway, for today, think about gratitude. You know, the world has really latched on to this idea, haven't they? I mean, there's gratitude journals all over the place. And and they, and this is, I think the world has understood, even just like scientifically or medically, that gratitude is good for us, that being thankful for things um, is is actually physically good for us. And yet, I have to wonder, like, who are they thanking this secular idea of gratitude? Like, are they just sending gratitude into the thin air? It doesn't really make sense to me. Or thanking themselves? I don't don't really know. But for us as believers in Christ, obviously, our gratitude is to God. Our gratitude is to God. Maybe their gratitude is to God, but they're like, thank you, God. You know, you're up there, but I don't have to do what you say. I'm just thanking you. I don't know. But anyway, what is our gratitude and what does the Bible actually tell us about 
gratitude and the role it should have in our life. Forget what the world says. You know, a gratitude journal is a great idea. I love that idea. But let's look at what God actually says about gratitude. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Now, the first thing I notice is that it says give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, right? But no matter what, no matter what circumstance you're in, there is something to thank God for in every situation. But we need to do it. And it's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline that we either choose to practice or don't, right? We choose to practice or we get distracted and forget to do it. So obviously, my topic, Contentment in Christ, has me thinking and hopefully practicing this kind of all-the-time gratitude. And you know how it is. The teacher gets to walk through the lessons first. So, of course, I have had all of these opportunities to practice contentment and gratitude, being part of that. Now, I usually think of myself as a pretty content girl. You know, a go-with-the-flow, calm, it's all good don't get upset kind of person. But of course, as soon as I started studying it, I get, like I said, all these opportunities to practice it. I mean, it it has been at comical proportions how many things have happened to allow me to practice contentment. And I won't have time to share them on the retreat, so I got to share them with you. Do you want to hear some of the comical situations that have happened since I have started studying this art of Christian contentment? So as I got started with it, the studying of the topic, we were, it was right when we were trying to get everything in place to go to Kenya and the airline and the visa websites, oh my gosh, so ridiculously slow, so not working. Like every sitting at your laptop or whatever situation where the website won't let you fill out the form and all of that stuff. And I guess anything with Kenya puts an alert on your credit card. So then they shut down your card. And then the card was like, can you tell me the name of your first dog? And what's your blood type? And all of those crazy things to try to get the card started again. It was a mess. We were definitely not rejoicing at what should have taken 30 minutes that took over six hours. So that was the first one in practicing contentment. And I already told you how we bought that van and immediately started arguing about it. And I I will update you with that. Everything's going great and we're having lots of fun. So it's fine. But initially, yeah, initially it was, you know, a bit of a challenge. And Wes even said, I think I need to finish this project before you're finished doing that retreat on contentment. (laughs) But hopefully I will continue to practice the lessons even when I am not teaching on it. And then I lost one of my documents for the retreat after working on it for about four hours. My windows on my laptop just crashed and the document was gone. Yep. Yep. Just gone. Oh, and then I dyed my hair green. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just can't make this stuff up. A uh, little PSA. Do not use blue shampoo. Even if you were a brunette your whole life, but now the actual color of your hair is a little bit unknown and you wanted to restore that brunette that you used to be, blue shampoo will not do it. No, no, it won't. I can tell you, those days are gone. That brunette time, you just have to embrace 
the whatever color your hair is now, or you end up with green hair, like serious mermaid qualities. So I had, I had used the blue shampoo and then, you know, ran out the door, went to go uh, see my mom. And it did, it wasn't until my hair actually dried that I noticed it. So I'm at walking around where she lives in her memory care floor and um, she needed to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, oh, okay. And we go into the bathroom and I catch sight of myself in the mirror. And I was like, oh my gosh. My mom's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, uh, my hair is green. <laughs> this is when I notice it. And it was like, you know, the fluorescent light. anyway. Yeah. Contentment. It's, it's been, it's been a time. And then most recently, as in yesterday, we had to replace our well pump, which is a huge job. And it just, I'll just sum it up by saying it kept going wrong. I mean, you've got this 200 foot pipe that Wes is pulling out of the ground, which was very heavy. And I'm using the Kubota to pull it as he's directing me. And it, the, it started out with the pipe breaking in like six different places, which of course was not supposed to happen. And it just went on and on, like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And seven hours later, we finally finished that job. And Wes said, could you please remind God that I am not teaching on, on contentment that you are? <laughs> oh, good times. Anyway, lots of circumstances to practice this spiritual discipline of gratitude. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. And it can be such a discipline, can't it? That means that we have to do it even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't see anything to be grateful for, even when we want to drop our scissors or our crayon and say, this is just too hard. But when we forget or refuse, did you catch the last part of that little section? It actually quenches the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't change God at all. It just makes it more difficult for us to discern his will. And the will of God listed here is to rejoice, to give thanks, and to pray. This is always God's will for us, as it said, in all circumstances. And when I hear about discerning the will of God, it always makes me think of Romans 12 that gives us another clue to it. In Romans 12, uh, let's see, just one and two. Romans 12, one and two says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or I think it's the NIV says this is your spiritual act of worship to present yourself, your life to God, right? And then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds that by testing, you may discern, here it is, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? And so I'm just reminded of that, of that passage by this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 that to offer our life as a living sacrifice and to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that surrender of my own way and that changing the way I think, what I actually think about will affect my ability to discern God's will for me. That's interesting, isn't it? What I think about 
what I spend time thinking about affects my ability to discern God's will for me. But back to gratitude. I think personally, it is a great spiritual discipline to say out loud throughout the day, just little thank yous to God. Why not try it out for a week and see what happens? Especially every time you feel even a little bit frustrated, like say traffic, or when you can't find something, or you spill something, or a big one, as this happens often, you get interrupted, like even little interruptions. What if we just took a breath and out loud thanked God as the first response? You know, instead of the venting um, and then thanking, being like, all right, fine, I'll thank God, right? But to make the discipline, our first response in each situation is to out loud thank God. Well, I think I have done this before, and the result is the opposite of quenching the spirit. The result is fanning into flame, or to use a different analogy, pouring out of the spirit. And again, it isn't God that has changed, just our awareness of him, our availability to him. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Will you try it? Even if you think you are doing this already, how could you up your game in giving more thanks to God? That's what we need to ponder today. That's what I need to ponder. Here are some suggestions in upping your game. Remembering what he has done. You know, think of if you go through, especially Psalms 90 to 100, which I one summer tried to memorize all of those and did, but of course now I don't remember them. I mean, I don't have them memorized. But those Psalms I always think of as saying over and over, remember the deeds of the Lord. That's something we're supposed to do. So that's a way to up your gratitude game. Or praising him for who he is. Maybe meditating and praising God and thanking God for a different attribute of his all day. Like each day, a different attribute. Or how about praying only Thanksgiving and not asking for anything for an entire day? Or singing worship songs that only thank and praise God, which sounds like it should be all worship songs, but a lot of worship songs are actually about us, uh, like, you know, what we need or whatever, and not just praising God. So what about just singing a song all day, you know, like a song in your head? Remember, it's about the thoughts in our head affect our ability to discern the will of God. So putting in your head just that, that soundtrack of Thanksgiving, just some ideas in how to up our gratitude game so that we can be rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. And I'll just end with this. A little later in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify as in, you know, as in that present progressive process of becoming more like Jesus. God does that himself in you. So God is willing and able to do this transformation in us. He said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. And so that means God is willing and able to make us more grateful 
and able to rejoice in all circumstances among all the other things God is willing to do within us. And then it says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Listen to that again. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What God asks of us, he is able and willing to do in us. So it isn't too hard. You can do this. We can do this. With God's help, we can rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day. And I wonder how you will rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. Till next time. Thank you.